Hey guys, welcome to Fiction Fixation. Each week we get together to recap a different book or movie. We're your hosts. I'm Courtney. And I'm Rose. What are we talking about this week, Courtney? We're talking about a movie from my childhood called Coyote Ugly. Our main character, Violet, comes from a small town in New Jersey where she's a waitress at like a little diner. She's really cute, but she's definitely like small town cute. No, she is. She's definitely, she has a very girl next door look to her. Very innocent, wide-eyed. Hopeful. Yeah, but she has dreams of becoming a- Those will be dead soon too, like her mom. Oh my God, Courtney. (laughs) Her mom died, but Jesus Christ, is that how we want to say it? Um, But yes, she, Violet has dreams of moving to New York City and- being a songwriter. I guess I'm rooting for her in the beginning, but it's a little hard because mm-hmm. it's I feel like she doesn't have the right energy for the biz. Uh, you know, I agree because it's clear she has no idea how any of this works once she actually gets to New York City. So, you know, obviously, as as Courtney so eloquently put it, uh, Violet's mom has passed away. And so it's just Violet and her dad. And her dad is uh, the word weaponizing competence comes to mind because her dad can't do anything for himself. Like, obviously, she's taken on the caretaker role in the father-daughter relationship. Right. Yeah. And now she's moving to this big city all by herself. And her best friend takes her and Mm -hmm. uh, tries to help her out. Her friend, you know, gives her a wad of money. and. Violet doesn't want to take it because I guess she's too proud. She wants to make it on her own. So her friend is like, you know what? I'm going to put it here in the freezer for you in case of an emergency. Yeah. I mean, I probably wouldn't have put it in the freezer, but okay. Everybody knows you keep you keep your cash between your boobs. Like that's the safest place. Yeah. Well, to be fair, her apartment's a shithole. No. Yeah, it is. Uh, it should be condemned. Her apartment is a shithole and her best friend is just like, oh. Yeah, this is an emergency. But you know what? That does not get Violet down. Violet is not deterred in the least. She's out here hustling, handing out, you know, her cassette tapes with her music on it, Mm -hmm. just walking into agencies and into recording studios. Like, I would like for you to give this to one of your artists, please. Yeah. And right away, she learns that that's not the way you're supposed to do it. So apparently, if you just go in and try to hand your tape with original music, they don't Mm -hmm. want it because then you can sue them and say that they stole your music. So they can't even listen to it. Yeah. And I think that I'm really disappointed that she seemed to do no research before she got to New York, you know? Was Google a thing in the year 2000? I feel like it. Yeah. There were search engines, but also, regardless, there are other ways to do research, you know? How do you suggest? Do you think she should have gone to the library and gotten the encyclopedia of how to make it in New York City? (laughs) I mean, I think that reading articles on, like, how other people have made it, Mm -hmm. she had to go to New York to, like, sign a lease and stuff. So, obviously, taking a lap and asking people hey how do you accept submissions 
would have saved her a lot of time and money. Right. That's a good point because she obviously didn't do any research on how to like actually submit her music for consideration. But you know what? I admire her hustle because she's out there walking around with a backpack full of cassette tapes um, trying to hand them out to everybody. And you know what? That's that's some nerve and I admire it. Naive, but admirable. Well, finally, someone tells her, listen, the only way your music is going to get out there is if you perform it yourself. Yeah, they're like, you're going to have to go to an open mic night. Sorry. That's a problem. Yeah, she has paralyzing stage fright. As, as do all of us. You're not special, oh, sure. Violet. You're not special. <laughs> Anybody who's comfortable talking in front of, of a large crowd um, scares me because they obviously don't have anxiety. Um, and I don't know how you function. You should be studied. Yeah, totally. So after the end of a really long, hard day, Violet ends up at a bar. She's going to have a drink. She sees this guy and he's really cute. He's in the crowd. He's mingling. Everyone seems to know him, you know. And she asks the bartender, hey, um, who's that guy? And the bartender tells her, oh, that guy? That guy over there, he's the talent scout. Yeah, she's like, he's responsible for finding, you know, new talent and booking them at the bar. His name's Mr. O'Donnell. Mr. O'Donnell. Ooh. Uh, Violet is just like, hey, this is serendipitous, you know? And so she waits for this dude outside the bar. She waits until he leaves so she can give him her tape. Uh, What she doesn't know is, is that he's not actually a talent scout. He's a line cook who's getting ready to get fired. Because he's he's out there mingling instead of cooking the food in the kitchen like he's supposed to be doing. Yeah. And so she's like, Mr. O'Donnell, my name is Violet Sanford. I just wanted to give this to you. I'm looking to be a songwriter. And he's confused. He's like, oh, okay. She's like, sorry, this is new to me. He's like, me too. <laughs> yeah, so he instantly realizes that she thinks he's someone that he's not and he goes along with it up until the point where his boss opens up the back door and is like what the hell are you doing out there you need to be in here in the kitchen Uh uh-huh and she realizes that she was played and she is so heartbroken yeah and so she just stomps away but of course mr o'donnell kevin kevin o'donnell he follows her and he's like sorry i was going to tell you you know, I didn't mean to embarrass you. She's like, I made a fool of myself. And he's like, well, yeah, but <laughs> you, you did, though. Also, when you hear Mr. O'Donnell, his name is Kevin O'Donnell. And he's like this young guy in his 20s because that it mm-hmm. kind of sounds like we're talking about this old dude. Like he's this young 20 something year old. Um, And he has an Australian accent. That, too. I feel like it's very... Uh, noticeable in some like in the beginning of the movie and then it starts fading away so I don't know he, he I was don't know either like he was hamming it up for the cameras well and see here's the thing he's adorable but he has kind of like a baby face yeah but he's really like he is adorable 13 year old me was like yes this and I maybe suggest Courtney because I've come to terms with this fact that maybe it's not that these 20-something-year-olds have baby faces, but it's that we are now in a completely different age group to where they look like they have baby faces. Shut your whore mouth. I'm telling you, it is 
a harsh, harsh reality we need to face. <laughs> I don't like this. They don't have baby faces. We're just old. We're just old. <laughs> yeah. Um, think about it. Well, thank you for reading my day. You're welcome. <laughs> Kevin follows her home. She's mad. She's storming off. He follows her. And she doesn't know where she's going. Baby girl's lost. You know, in any other context, it would be the premise of a scary story. This guy that just tried to trick you by making you think he's somebody he's not is now following you home. Oh, yeah. That's when my shoes come off and I am all fists and heels. Well, I think the fact that he's basically talking to her, trying to apologize the whole time takes a little bit of the crazy out of it. Yeah, I mean, in in the movie, it's not... The soundtrack that's being played sets you at ease. It's not a scary soundtrack. So, yeah, I wish life had a soundtrack so you could know how you felt. We could be like, oh, fuck, it's the creepy music again. Yeah. Can't trust this dude. It's like a creepy music and a kid comes up and you're like, I need to kick you in the chest because the creepy music is on, even though you're a child. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, that's fair. And he just pulls out the knife like, oh, you got me. (laughs) You got me. I was going to murder you, but the damn soundtrack. Anyways, so. How does she how does she shake him off? I don't remember. Oh, she just basically tells him, hey, we're not doing this. So good night, Mr. O'Donnell. Yeah. And he takes the hint and he leaves. That, that's, a, that's a green flag. And Well, she said, I've never had somebody stare at my ass for 30 minutes. And he's like. I was only staring at your ass for the first 15 minutes or so. (laughs) Then I have to mind my surroundings. It's nighttime in New York City, girl. It's dangerous. Yeah. So Violet, since she was told that she needed to go to an open mic night, she decides to just go balls deep into this and just sign up for an open mic night. So she shows up at a bar that has one and tells the lady at the front, hey, I know you're probably booked for tonight. But I was wondering if I could get on for the next time. And the lady at the front was like, yeah, I can get you on in 10 minutes. Somebody called in and girl was not prepared for it. Talk about opportunity just popping up like that. She gets thrown into this open mic night. Yeah, she gets thrown into this open mic night. And girl, it's your time to shine. This is what you wanted. Oh, yeah, this is this is your chance here, you know. And she gets up on stage, even though she has paralyzing stage fright. She gets up on stage, she fumbles, and then she tries. But there are these hecklers in the crowd. You know, these two fuckboy douche guys. Like, oh, yeah, baby, come on. Oh, you know, they're standard hecklers. And between her nerves and their words, she just dips. Yeah, so she walks out in the middle, really in the beginning of her set. I think she sings like two lines or two words. And she's she it's just no energy, no soul, all Mm -hmm. fright. You know, it's kind of a big flop, a big failure. And then she returns to the comfort of her raggedy ass apartment Mm -hmm. only to find that it's been completely ransacked. And her freezer money is gone. Her freezer. Like, how do you know to look in the freezer where these were these hungry burglars? Like, were they looking for lean cuisines? I don't understand. I I don't know. Is it a common thing to put money in the freezer? Maybe we just don't know about it. Maybe it is. I don't know. I've never heard of putting money in the freezer before this, and I've never heard of it since. <laughs> well, 
her money got stolen because plot. Yeah, and she's just she's having a shit day, and she does exactly what I would do. She goes to her diner, gets a cup of coffee, asks how much pie is. <laughs> Listen, I would do the same thing. She has like two bucks. She spends her last two dollars on a piece of pie. <laughs> well, she was going to, but then the guy at the diner was like, "Yeah, uh, it's on the house." He could tell she's having a bad day. Yeah. While she's there eating her pie, drinking her coffee, she sees these three girls. And these three girls are living their best life. Not only are they being loud and rowdy, they're also loaded with cash. They are just flaunting stacks of cash around. First of all, if this is New York City, which it is New York City, Honey, I don't know. Like, New Yorkers don't go around flaunting cash like that. Are you insane? Like, you're begging to be mugged. Also, it's they're in the middle of a diner. It's not like, you know, they're in their car or, you know, trying to buy something. It's not like they're discreetly, you know, passing money between each other. They are literally counting huge wads of cash and bragging mm-hmm. about how much money they have. Like, how much money was that that we made tonight? <laughs> And they're like $300 we each made in one night. And Violet's like, hey, I could use $300 a night, you know? That sounds fantastic. Her ears perk up because, you know, she needs money. So Violet asked the diner guy, she's like, hey, who are those girls? And he says, they're coyotes. Yeah, but he tosses her a matchbook for Coyote Ugly, which is the bar they work at. It's a trendy place that is begging to be condemned, but that's, <laughs> put a pin in that. <laughs> they break a lot of laws, max capacity rules, <laughs> fire rules. It's kind of like a free-for-all with girls on bars and titties, you know, like it's, it's cool. And so Violet goes to this bar because she knows that one of the bartenders she saw last night, that she's leaving. She's going off to law school and she knows that there's going to be a vacancy. So she goes to the bar and she's like trying to open the front door, which is clearly locked. You know, she's trying to talk to the owner like, hey, I heard there might be a vacancy. And the owner who's being kind of like condescending to her like oh let me guess you're from piedmont north dakota (laughs) another little small town girl coming to new york wanting to shake her goods on the bar got it violet's like actually i'm from new jersey (laughs) yeah like not that far everything's legal in new jersey the bar owner who is this blonde lady uh Mm -hmm. tells her okay look i'll give you an audition friday night 11 p.m And Violet is just kind of shocked. And she's like, why are you giving me a chance? And the bar owner is like, because you look you look like a kindergarten teacher. The men will love it. Oh, God. (laughs) So little Miss Violet shows up at the bar at 11 p.m. The bouncer is like, yeah, we're just starting to get busy. But this place is already fucking packed. Girl, it is chaos. It looks like a freaking mosh pit. Like when I tell you, I got anxiety looking at Mm -hmm. this scene because there are so many people up against each other, you know, facing the bar. There's not a table in sight in this bar. It's literally just a bar. 
and it's filled to the brim with people. And then there are girls on the bar dancing and pouring liquor straight into the men's mouths because the audience is like almost all men. It is like it's a free for all. It is wild. People are grabbing and groping and touch it. And that bar is not clean. They're just walking all over it. It's so unhygienic. The other thing that killed me is that one of the girls lights the bar on fire. Mm -hmm. Alcohol is flammable. So the bar just goes poof. Just the whole bar, the whole length of the bar lights up on fire. And then in the next shot, it's just gone. And And that's the moment when I realized okay, we're in a parallel universe where you can light a bar on fire mm-hmm. and then it, the, the fire it just goes out. The fire just goes out, you know? That's how flammable liquids work, you know? It's science. It's, it's science, Rose. It's science. Um, Violet shows up and you can just tell that she is out of her element. Yeah. There's no training. There's no nothing. The boss basically says, all right, get on out there and... Show me what you can do. I have two rules. Don't date the customers and don't bring your boyfriends to my bar. One of the girls at the bar that already works there, her name's Rachel. She's bad bitch. So bad bitch really does not like Violet. Yeah, she really makes a point to just highlight every blunder that Violet is doing because Violet doesn't know what the hell she's doing. There's no training. Nobody told her. Yeah. So she's just kind of stumbling around trying to figure out what the rules of this lawless bar are. Yeah. And a guy at the bar orders some water and she goes to get it for him. And bad bitch says, hey, boss, this guy just ordered water. Does anybody order water in your bar? And they just hose people who order water down, just hose them down. <laughs> this bar is so toxic. It's so toxic because that's the funny thing, too. So they don't do mix. They don't do any mixed drinks. They don't serve water. They only serve straight up liquor. Beer and shots. And there's not even I don't even see any glasses. They just like pour it straight into their mouths. Uh, it's like a farmhouse and the men are the animals and they're just it doesn't it remind you of that yeah it kind of does of like a farmhouse and and then like the men are the animals and they're just like coming to the front and like opening their mouths and getting shots pouring into their mouths and then they like get pushed to the back <laughs> it's so sick oh my god i never thought about that until like just now the vision the visions bad bitch and blonde bartender start dancing like this like river dance hoedown like line dance on the bar hold down <laughs> yeah i don't know what it's called and boss tells violet go on and get up there let me see what you got and violet tells her i i can't do that dance i don't know and boss takes it in stride and goes all right she grabs the money out of the tip jars like thanks for coming in yeah. And Violet's like, what are you serious? You're firing me. And the woman's like, this was an audition and you suck. So bye. <laughs> I think it was really nice of the boss to even like give her anything from the tip jar. Yeah. You know? Like, here you go. Thank you for your time. Have a good night. Yeah. Um, On her way out, on Violet's way out of the bar, though, with her mm-hmm. tail between her legs. There's two dudes that are getting in a bar fight and no hesitation. She just wedges herself right in there. Like, yo, 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 yo. 
Not today. She diffuses the situation very expertly. And Mm -hmm. when the boss of the bar sees that, she immediately Mm -hmm. changes her tune. And she's like, you know what? Um, I think you might be a good fit after all. Yeah. She's like, I think you might be a good fit. Let's go ahead and bring it in for a second audition. You know, I'm going to give you a second try. Um, I'm sorry. What is this job description? Am I half naked girl dancing on the bar? Am I a pyromaniac? Like, lighting a bar on fire and my like what's the job description here what are the vibes (laughs) the answer is yes you are all of these things all of them can I interject here and just I want to impress upon you how much I absolutely hate the premise of this bar and I feel like the premise of this bar is the premise of the movie really Uh huh. Because it was just like it was like the hook of the movie, like, oh, there's this wild bar in New York City where women dress. They dance on the bar. Isn't that wild? And they pour the shots into the men's mouths like, oh, my God. And they dress like super provocatively. I hate the premise of it. You know what? What if we had the same bar, but men weren't allowed in there and everyone was allowed to dance on tables? Yes. And it was just a free for all. For women to get drunk and crazy and dance on tables without the fear of being assaulted by men. Well, because that's the thing, right? It's this big mm-hmm. city and you have this giant bar full of men who are severely intoxicated because you are pouring straight liquor into their mouths with no water allowed. And that is the sole purpose of this place. Like it is not safe. Yeah. Like it's not safe for these women to be there. It's it's not safe for the women to be there. And they have one security guard. And I feel like with this environment, they would need like AIDS. Yeah, at least minimum. But no, I like your idea of a bar where it's only women that are allowed to dance in the bar. Like a bar that's like all bars all around. And uh-huh. then you could just get up on the bar and just dance without uh-huh. fear. And the, there's no men allowed. Yeah. You just get to get drunk in a safe environment and dance with your friends without someone trying to cop a feel. Listen, we are not angry lesbians, although the verdict is out on that. But I don't think we are angry lesbians because we're married with men. See, I, I, I'm not angry and I'm not a lesbian. However... The lesbians on TikTok do have me hella confused sometimes. <laughs> it do have you questioning things. When Violet gets home, this is about the time that she realizes uh, Mr. Kevin O'Donnell still has her tape. She needs to get her tape back. That's where all of her original songs are. And yeah. she's like, this guy doesn't need it. Why does he have my tapes? I need to go get it. Mm-hmm. So she shows up at his work, walks into the kitchen of where he's cooking and tells him, I need my tape back. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what? She's like, my tape, you still have it, and I want it back. And he alludes that he listened to it by singing a little bit of her song. So Kevin listened to Violet's song, to her to her mm-hmm. songs on her cassette, and he tells her that they're good. Yeah. He's very sweet. He is really sweet and encouraging of Like, her. apart from the red flag of following her home after not even knowing who she was, like, following her home, that was a red flag. Yeah. But then, you know, he's sweet. So, like, the flags are canceling we out. We can forgive it. We'll let it go this time. Mm-hmm. You're okay. You're okay. 
And she, um, he flirts a little, she flirts a little, he gives the tape back and he's like, uh, uh, we should go out sometime, you know, I want to see you again. And he asked about her job and she said that she has to go to work. And she's like, I'm a coyote. And he's like, what the fresh hell does that mean? That's what the dancers at the bar are called. They're called coyotes. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, so she says, if you want to see me again, you'll figure it out. She tells him that to kind of lure him in. And I think also because she felt really cool. Uh, Like, I would tell everybody too. Like, guy at 7-Eleven, I'm a coyote. (laughs) Uh, Do you want paper or plastic? I'm a coyote. What do you think? (laughs) I want it in my teeth. (laughs) (laughs) I want my groceries in my hands. I'm a wild, wild girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, for, for real, for real. I would tell everybody. So little Miss Violet shows up at Coyote Ugly for her second audition. And you can tell that bad bitch bartender does not like Violet at all. Um, a gentleman at the bar orders water and Violet goes to get him the water. Bad bitch comes up to her and says, did he just order water? You know what to do. So she hands her the bullhorn. And hands her the water hose and is like, go for it. Do it. Yeah. And Violet does the whole spiel. Like, do we serve water in this bar? And the whole crowd knows what to do. They're like, hell no. H-U-O. And so she starts spraying him down. The boss sees it and is like, oh, fuck. Yeah. She runs over and stops Violet. And she's like, this guy is... He's the uh, fire marshal. He can order whatever he wants. Well, first of all, this bar is once again over capacity, like just a freaking disaster waiting to happen. And the fire marshal Mm -hmm. is just standing at the bar ordering water. Like, what are you doing, sir? Do your job. Like, get this. (laughs) I don't understand. Like, what's your purpose for being there? So boss and fire marshal go outside to talk and... When she comes back in, she tells Violet, listen, he's letting me go with a $250 fine tonight. I'll tell you what, if you can make me $250 tonight, I'll let you come back tomorrow. Violet, who doesn't have any money, now has to figure out how to make $250. And Mm -hmm. she can't sell drinks fast enough to make that money. But then Kevin... The Mm -hmm. cute Australian guy comes to the bar and she tells him like, yeah, I'm not going to work here long because I'm about to get fired if I don't make $250. And so he offers her $9 to help her get started, which is really sweet. And she's like, I don't want your money, Kevin. She slides it back to him. And then she begins, she gets on the bullhorn and begins to auction him off to the highest bidder for the night. Okay, can I just say... That one, it was a genius idea because the women in the uh-huh. bar go rabid, like the the patrons, they go rabid and they start bidding for him like crazy. But what I want to know is where all these women came from, because the last time we saw kind of the patrons, they were all men. And then suddenly uh-huh. there's all these women. And that's what I mean. Like, yeah. like this movie is so parallel university. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Like, it wasn't ladies' night. We just didn't know. 
no, I feel like this movie just slips into parallel universes like without warning. You know, because it's plot. Because plot, yeah. So yeah, suddenly there's a bunch of women in the audience and they are bidding like crazy to date this very like this very standard looking white guy. They don't know he has an accent. Like I I, under, I would understand if they were bidding knowing he had an accent, but they didn't have that information. Yeah, no, they, they didn't. But you know what? It works. She gets 250 out of selling Kevin off, Um, pays her fine to her boss and gets to come back for a third night of work. You know, that's yeah. how that works out. And Kevin's waiting for her outside her work mm-hmm. and basically says, you owe me and you owe me big time. And she's like, well, what do you want? And he's like, it's 3.30 in the morning. I want what any man wants. He wants to eat breakfast. Breakfast, food. <laughs> the food. He wants to eat the food. He takes her to breakfast. And uh, then they go to this secluded spot. And they lay on the hood of his car and look at the... Red flag. <laughs> Let me take you to the secluded spot in the city. You never let them take you to a secondary location. Ever, ever, ever. And they stop by this little deli. And what happens is what she thinks and what it, it does honestly look like a drug deal. Okay. She thinks it's a drug deal. Um, and she tries to tell Kevin, like, hey, I don't know what you're into, but I'm not comfortable with this. You know, like I Yeah, because she sees him slip money to the sky, and then the guy gives him a very suspicious looking paper bag. He what he pulls out of the bag is not drugs. Um, it's a comic book. It's a Spider-Man comic book. I think that is this Spider-Man comic book that Kevin has just purchased for like a thousand dollars from a random guy behind, you know, a deli counter. Mm-hmm. It kind of is the only information we have on his character for the entirety mm-hmm. of the movie. Yeah, we know nothing about him almost. I mean, it the fact like nothing. Yeah. This is all we know is that he's willing to drop a thousand dollars on a comic book. Um, Mm -hmm. And so in a way, it kind of explains things like he's sweet Mm -hmm. because he's a dork. (laughs) Yeah. Dorks won't murder you. It's science. Yeah. Just kidding. They will. Um, But after that, they go. She goes to help him at work involuntarily. He doesn't tell her what they're doing. Uh, until they get to a fish market and they're just slinging fish the size of toddlers around into crates. Yeah, they joke about the fish smell and then they kiss. Mm-hmm. They kiss for the first time and it's sweet. I know. And it's all good fun. But uh, here's the thing. She's been up all night. Like it's like mm-hmm. probably 6 a.m. at this point And she has not slept after bartending all night. I just don't get it. (laughs) And plus, she has to go back that night. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I would be dead tired if I didn't get off until like three o'clock in the morning. I am not about to go out, have breakfast, and then go sling fish around and then still be bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Absolutely not. To be in your 20s. Oh, my God. I remember. Nothing faced us. Bitch, I've I've been tired my whole life. <laughs> like I've been, I remember being like seven years old and just being like, "When is this gonna end? I'm exhausted." <laughs> Never, it just gets worse. <laughs> 
So it's another night at Coyote Ugly and Mm -hmm. it's as rowdy as ever. And it actually gets a lot crazier. Um, One of the girls gets from the bar, gets yanked into the mosh pit. Another group of dudes has have the bouncer, the one bouncer at this bar. They have him like in like a weird group hug thing where he can't move. Dude, it is literally everything I was afraid of, like everything where I was like, this bar is dangerous. It was happening. There were fights breaking out. It there's no there's no control at all. It's complete chaos. Violet tries everything that she's been told to do to break up fights, throwing buckets of ice, you know, screaming and nothing. It seems to be working. And of course, this is the night the crowd is full of sailors, you know, let's go ahead and just uh, what is it called? Stereotype. Perpetuate stereotypes. Yeah, let's go ahead and and stereotype sailors as rowdy, rowdy men who are going to pull a girl from a bar into the middle of a mosh pit. I mean, are they lying, though? You know, it's just. No, but also (laughs) (laughs) like you're not wrong, but I need you to stop anyways. Yes. (laughs) And so Violet does what any normal sane 20 something year old would do. She's like, I shall distract them with singing. I shall tell you to stop, but I will do it in song form. Yeah, so she picks up a mic and just starts like singing and dancing on the bar, which magically has everybody stopping and ooing and eyeing. It's so funny because she has no stage presence. Like, Mm-mm. she doesn't have a particularly powerful voice either. Mm-mm. And when she's singing at first, it's so timid that it's it's a miracle anyone can even hear her. Like, it sounds yeah. like elevator music. Like, it's like, how does anyone care what's coming out of her mouth? It's nothing spectacular. No. Like nothing. She gets kind of into it, though. She starts dancing. Uh And like you said, it's like magic. The men stop fighting. It's like a Pepsi commercial, you know, like, yeah, everybody stops fighting and starts getting along and ooing and aahing at the stage. And I I, I don't get it. Um, (laughs) Like, sure, 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 sure. You know what? (laughs) It works. It works. You know what? Good for you, girl. Good for you. I'm I want this for you, you know? Yes. Yes. Um, And it's so cute because when she gets off that night. She calls Kevin, goes to his house, and just kisses him. And he's like, what was that for? She's like, I had a good night, and I wanted a good night kiss. And then she just dips. She is floating. I mean, she's very excited, you know? And uh, yeah. she's officially hired as a coyote. So that now she's a full-time, she's a bar warden, like a jail warden. <laughs> oh, Yeah. She's really excited. So things are sort of starting to fall in place for Violet, you know, like she has a job. She just she just sang um, not her own songs. She still can't do that in public. But, you know, she things are starting to look up for her a little bit. You know, she's getting her shit in order. I think she's getting sidetracked because I think that she's getting She's excited to have a place in the city, which is this Coyote Ugly Bar. And I mm-hmm. think she's excited to have some connection to music. It's like, uh-huh. to me, it's like a red herring where she's like, oh, I am I am working on my dreams because I'm standing up on this bar and, and singing. But that's not really her dream. Her dream is not to be a singer. Her dream is to be a songwriter. And she's not even singing her own songs. She's just doing like covers mm-hmm. over a radio. Yeah, and I get it. But I feel like it's not a step backwards. You know, it's still, it's a lateral move. Yeah, 
And Kevin being the sweet, supportive dude that he sometimes is, <laughs> he he brings Violet to this club that he works at sometimes. And he has a fake audience of cardboard cutouts set up for her to practice singing in front of. That is such a cute, just romantic gesture, you know? It is. I mean, the amount of time... He's really trying to help her. Well, the amount of time it took for him to print out life-size versions of all these random celebrities. I think it's like Elvis is one of the cutouts and Madonna. It's Mm -hmm. like all of these random cardboard cutouts. And so they are all set up like this imaginary audience. Um, It's very sweet. And then also like, what do you do during the day that you have so much time to do this? He slings fish and cooks turkey burgers. Um, And she... Tells him, you know, it's useless. I can't do this. I can't sing my own songs in front of people. Like, and he doesn't understand. You know, he he tells her, I don't get it. I I don't know how this feels. And she's like, well, let me show you. So she does a little script tease to make him nervous and give him anxiety. Yeah, she's like, I'm going to make you feel the way I feel. And then she starts stripping to tell him, like, my heart starts, my heartbeat starts going up. And then I Mm -hmm. feel, you know, shortness of breath. And she starts making him nervous so that he understands. I'm like, girl. Well, I'm pretty sure that stage fright doesn't give her a boner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. (laughs) Does stage fright make you horny, Violet? Because I don't think you're saying you're trying to say. Yeah, like, I, you got the right idea. Got the wrong plan. The wrong execution. Um, yeah. So this goes where you think it goes, you know, it's going down. Yeah. They have sex. They do the sex. They do the sex. Do the sex. <laughs> they do the horizontal hokey pokey. Yeah. Hokey pokey. She, mm-hmm. she does not coyote ugly him in the morning. No, I don't think so. A few days go by and Kevin tells Violet, hey, um, I got you a gig. He got her a singing gig at a bar and there's going to be like scouts there. It's like a very popular bar. Yeah. And she's like, I can't do it. You know that. He's like, yes, you can. A few more nights at my place. I'll have you good to go because my dick will make you confident. (laughs) My penis is going to cure your stage fright. It'll suck the anxiety out of your body. Well, this is what I... Okay, for me, oh God, like being an adult just ruins everything, you know, because I'm watching this interaction between them and it's so codependent to where like he is fighting harder for her dreams than she is. And it's like, you can't make someone want something for themselves, you know, Mm -hmm. like he's like, I got you a gig at a bar so you can perform your songs. And she's like, I can't. He's like, yes, you can. And she's like, no, it's genetic. Like, bitch, stage fright is not fucking genetic. Like, that's not how genes work. Yeah. (laughs) Thank God, though. Like, thank God, you know. You know, just another night, five nights a week. She's a coyote. And one of these nights, her daddy shows up. Imagine his shock to see his innocent little girl who at this point she's loosened up. Okay. Cause she's been a coyote mm-hmm. for a, a, probably like a couple weeks now. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's up in that bar and she's twerking and she's getting, she's getting pictures of water poured on her. Oh yeah. She's just, you know, it's like girls gone wild spring break on the bar. You know, the only thing that's different is that her boobs are covered, you know? Yeah. But yeah, she's having a good old time. And 
her dad just stops and is like, the actual fuck. What in the actual fuck? Well, and then somehow, despite the crowded bar and the sounds, which are probably Mm -hmm. deafening, she's able to lock eyes with her dad. She feels her dad's disappointment. And it just penetrates (laughs) through her fun time that she's having on the bar with like ding, 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 ding. You know, that alarm that you are about to get in trouble. She just felt it in the air. Mm-hmm. past the thick fog of testosterone she's like that's oh, my yeah. daddy <laughs> and then she's like oh shit her dad's works at a toll booth um on a bridge or like out on an interstate he works at, um collecting tolls mm-hmm. and he says the guys started putting your picture up in their booth and he shows her a news article where she's dancing on the counter at coyote ugly um he's like Violet, it's the first time I've ever been ashamed of you. Damn. And I want to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Back the fuck up. Like, you're ashamed of her because she's dancing on a bar serving drinks? There are so many worse things that she could be doing right now that you should be ashamed of. But, like, I feel like you're being a tad bit judgmental yeah i agree it's not it's not like she's hurting anyone but herself (laughs) Mm -hmm. listen my only gripe against the bar is that i really feel like it's very unsafe like the premise of it is too much catering to the male gaze and too unsafe but Mm -hmm. in a different in a different way like in a different scenario it could work you know Yeah, it could work. I feel like if it was like a strip bar, like it should have just been. Well, I don't I don't want it to be a strip bar. I like the concept of it. I just think that it's really unsafe. Like keep it, but make it safer, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Like put airbags on the bar. Uh So when guys get too close, you could just press a button and they just go flying across the room. Oh, shit. Yeah. Make men easier to throw. Make men easier to throw. Um, and Violet is really, she's really struggling with not talking to her dad because, you know, she used to talk to him and she calls and she's like, I'm not going to apologize. I don't owe you an apology, which I'm really proud of her for. Yeah. Well, she's sticking to her guns. Like, look, if you're proud mm-hmm. of what you're doing, then, you know, more power to you, I guess, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Here rolls around the night where she's supposed to have the gig that Kevin set up for her. Yeah. It's a very busy night at Coyote Ugly and her boss is like, "Uh, where are you going? And Violet's like, I have have somewhere to go. I have to go. And her boss is like, you're not. Like I told you. Yeah. Her boss is like, you're not going anywhere. And Violet's like, I can't miss this. I have to go. And... She's like, you know what? This is New York City, and there's a line halfway around the block just to get into my bar. And that may not be anything to you, but that's something, whether you believe it or not. And she's like, Violet asks her boss, what what, what happens if I do go? What are you going to do? And she's like, if you were going to go, you would have gone already. Yeah, so obviously Violet ends up not going to this gig that Kevin set up for her. And what's really fucked up is that, mm-hmm. you know, he gave his super expensive comic book as collateral. Kevin 
Kevin gave his super rare comic book that he just got. He gave that to the booking agent at the bar in order to get Violet this spot at open mic night. And then she doesn't even show up. And what what's really fucked up and what really upsets me is that when he confronts her about it and he gets really angry at her for not going, Mm -hmm. she throws in his face that he doesn't have any dreams. Yeah. That really pissed me off because Mm -hmm. like regardless of whether or not that's true, why are you putting him down when all he is doing is trying to lift you up? Kevin has done a lot to help Violet. Too much. It's too much. Too much. Like, why are you trying this hard? You know, like to a certain extent, it's like she's acting like a loser. Like she has these dreams that she's not willing to fight for. Like, just let her dreams die. Just let them die. uh, Well, he's really mad right now. Yeah. You know, he's very angry and he shows up at the bar um, while guys are groping at Violet. He shows up at the bar and loses his shit and just starts swinging and punching people and screaming. The bartender finally gets him. And Violet is like, Kevin, stop. We're just having a good time. And he's like, yeah, a good time with my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Which I think any dude would be mad if he showed up at his girlfriend's work and just sees her getting like felt up. Because there's no rules. There's no, yeah, there's no there's rules. no security and she's getting groped. I mean, this is, oh, God, I hate everything about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Violet gets fired from the bar. She's going outside to go see Kevin. And her boss is, her boss is sitting there and says, you broke my rules. Mm-hmm. Violet's confused at first and says, what rules? Like, there are none. Right. And. Boss lady says, I told you not to bring your boyfriend to my bar. She's like, now I have a friend in there with a broken nose and the cops are threatening to shut me down. You should be shut down. You know what? You know what Mm -hmm. I don't like about the bar owner is that she is exploiting these young girls for monetary gain. Oh, yeah. And the amount of money that they're making in there has to be a very small percentage of what she is making. I, I honestly, oh, I sure. mean, I don't understand the, the business model of this bar at all, because it's like if you're just indiscriminately pouring shots down people's throats straight from the bottle, how are you charging for that? You know, I don't know. It's like, oh, you had three gulps. And also it's so crowded. Like, how do you charge people? Like, I just... The whole premise just doesn't work, Courtney. I hate to break your childhood dreams, but it doesn't work. (laughs) Bartenders, they count because they have those stoppers on the bottles. They count when they're doing. um, They also I heard this thing where they also go. They do the ambulance. And that's one shot. So um, and so like a half a shot would be we. That's how they do it. They count. So they know that the stoppers are specially made to pour at a certain like volume per second. I mean, I feel like that was a really good explanation, but I also feel like it doesn't answer my questions. (laughs) I don't know how they're charging people, but I do know how they're mentally accounting for the amount of alcohol served. I guess. Anyway, so things are falling apart for Violet because Mm -hmm. now her dad is mad at her and not answering her calls. Her boyfriend Mm -hmm. is rightfully really pissed. And for the record, I'm on his side. Like she 
fucked up. Oh, yeah. Um, And then she gets fired from the job that she lost her boyfriend and her dad for. Not to mention, she's having really bad days. She gets home one day. After all this has gone down, you know, a few days have gone by. She gets home and there's a huge box right in front of her door. And all the tapes that she sent out to people, um, they all got returned as unsolicited media. Yeah, I mean, I guess she should have known it was going to happen, but uh, there you go. Um, And as she's seeing all of this, she opens the door and her phone is ringing, ringing, ringing. And she's trying to get the 15 locks on her door undone, you know? She gets to the apartment just as the answering machine is cutting off. Um, and Kevin just left her a message saying, hey, um, just called to see if, you know, you'll talk to me. Like, it's a half-ass apology. Right. You know, like, well, I don't see what he needs to apologize for, but okay. She's in, his, she's in her apartment and the phone rings again, like, a few seconds afterwards. And she's like, hey, Kevin, hello. It's me. Yeah. And they're like, is this Violet Sanford? This is the hospital. Your dad's been in a car accident. Mm. Yeah. Her dad, who you, if you remember, he's a toll worker. He got hit by one of the cars mm-hmm. he was tolling. So it happens. Mm-hmm. Dad is in the hospital. Yeah. She goes to the hospital, sees her dad and everything, makes sure he's going to survive. <laughs> like, that is fine. That is fine. And then she, she goes to call Kevin and she's like, no. Like, suck it up, go over there and see him and talk to him. Yeah, so she goes over to Kevin's apartment and he is busy welcoming another girl into his apartment. And so obviously Violet is really heartbroken and she just walks off without really finding out what's Uh really happening. And what is really happening, classic misunderstanding, is that Kevin is subletting his apartment to this uh, girl. Yeah, because he's going to, he's moving to Chicago. He is moving to Chicago. That's random, right? Again, we don't know anything about Kevin. Like, is he in the mob? Like, what the Well, fuck? she points that out when they're arguing. She points that out. She, she's like, what about you, Kevin? And he's like, oh, don't even. She's like, what did you run away from in Australia? That's right. We don't talk about you, do we? She's like, what? Were you in jail? Do you have a wife and four kids? What are you so afraid of, Kevin? And it's funny because we never learn about Kevin. Like to this day, yeah. 22 years later, Kevin is still a mystery. <laughs> yeah, we, we we have no fucking idea. We don't know what Kevin did. Oh my God. What if he's a serial killer? I mean, it's not out of the, it's not out of the realm of possibilities. It's not. You know, he could be a murderer. I think when you have like an attractive white male in his 20s, the possibilities of him being a serial killer, I mean, mm-hmm. it's not zero. Oh, no. Violet's whole New York dream is really just going down the fucking drain, you know? Yeah. Um, Lost her job, lost her boyfriend. All her tapes got returned. She's just not doing well. And she tells her dad uh, that she's moving back to Jersey. She's giving up on her dream. Mm-hmm. And her dad's like, uh bullshit no you're not and he just won't let her give up he won't let her give up it's very sweet because he reveals to her that her mom Mm -hmm. by the way her mom was also a singer songwriter and 
almost made it in her whole life. She thought that her mom didn't make it because she was scared of the stage, Mm -hmm. stage fright. And she learns that her mom quit because of her dad, because her dad asked her to. Mm -hmm. Her dad tells her, no, I will not let you do this. You will not give up on your dreams. I won't let you back in the house. I'll change the locks, Mm -hmm. you know? And she really takes what she's what he says to heart and she goes back to new york with a new burst of confidence she buys a macbook that's 1600 dollars back in 2000 dude that's freaking nuts like 1600 dollars is a lot of money now and in 2000 mm-hmm. that's insane money it'd be like a five thousand dollar laptop yeah but she buys it and she starts making cds And sending them to, like, different club owners and stuff like that Mm -hmm. to get noticed that way. And it pays off. Okay. When Violet comes back to the city, she gets a new bartending job because she's not a coyote anymore. Yeah. The boss from Coyote Ugly comes to her new job and tells her she can Uh come back if she wants it. She declines. And this is what I mean. Like, Coyote Ugly is a toxic-ass work environment. It's like a mini cult. And she was lucky to get out of it. So she gets a call that she was selected for a singer-songwriter showcase um, to perform at an open mic night. There's going to be all these scouts there. They were really impressed by the demo she sent, and they want to hear more. She knows this is the step she has to take. You know, she has to go. It was just, it was a little far-fetched. Like, here we are, all of the strings coming together. Well, they're like, listen, we only have a budget for, like, one hour and 42 minutes. Yeah. And we're currently at one hour and 35 minutes. So we got to wrap this the fuck up. Yeah. Um. So all the strings of Violet's life are kind of coming together. Her coyote, ugly um, co-workers are coming to watch her. Her ex-boyfriend, Kevin, is somehow at the nick of time, gets the news that she's about to sing. She goes uh-huh. up there and it's her time to shine. Of course, she's nervous. She goes up there. And she freezes again. Oh, yeah. She's getting ready to blow it big time. But you know what? You know what helps her? Darkness. Darkness helps her. Darkness. Darkness helps all of us, Violet. Yeah. (laughs) And Kevin sees that she's struggling. And so he goes over there and he turns the stage lights off. So now she's in the dark. She starts singing. And uh, you know what? I want to say it's this big epic performance, but it's I like it's I. It's all right. Um, tell you what, yeah. though, that, that song is a bop. That song is That's, a bop. Dude, that, that was my jam for a long time. Yeah, that song is what kind of put the movie, made the movie popular. It's a song it's called. Mm-hmm. What is it called? Can't Fight the Moonlight. Can't Fight the Moonlight. Look it, look it up. It is a blast from the past. It's a Sam mm-hmm. Leon Rhymes. And yeah. spoiler alert. That's what happens. Leon Rhymes in the movie, yeah. in this parallel universe, somehow decides that she wants that song. And and it's really, oh God, listen. So they do a time lapse to, they do a time lapse to three months later. And Lee, here's Leon Rhymes at Coyote Ugly singing Violet's song on the bar. Like it's, that's how quick it happens. There was a lot of buildup to, things that were then wrapped up so quickly it didn't feel very mm-hmm. satisfying because the romance like we didn't get the reconciliation scene we did not the closest thing we got was 
Violet bought back the comic book that Kevin sold for her, as she should have. And this is a plot hole because how does she know that he sold the comic book? He never told her. I don't know. I have no idea. I can't. I can't help you. <laughs> you listen. You can't fill the holes. That's what she said. <laughs> the hole is too big. <laughs> um, Violet is back at Coyote Ugly, but she's only there to uh-huh. celebrate her success. And Kevin is there, and they've made up, even though we don't know how. And he says, "How does it feel when you know?" All your dreams are coming true. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm pretty sure you can't make a living out of one song. Like, I'm pretty sure. I'm sure you can if it's like, don't stop believing. But like, this is not, this is not that, you know, this is can't fight the moonlight, which again is a bop, but yeah, like not that big of a bop. It's not that big of a bop, girl. But okay, fair enough. I'm a, I'm a little lost, but fair enough. Um, fair enough. The ending is very vague. In the end, because we we have one little more strand we need to tie up, which is her dad. Her dad comes uh-huh. to Coyote Ugly to celebrate her success. And uh, she dances on the bar. Dances on the bar. She auctions off her dad. And so that kind of implies that her dad got a new girlfriend at the end. Mm-hmm. It's just, I could just hear the writers of this movie patting themselves in the back, just being like, we we did it. <laughs> we did it. This is it. This is it. We wrapped everything up in the last 30 seconds, like literally in the last 30 seconds. So listen, Courtney, one by one, we will dismantle your childhood favorite movies. <laughs> what else you got for me? <laughs> Nothing. All my joy is gone. All your joy is gone. That is the goal. That is what we are striving for. No, but it is like so different to watch things as an adult. I actually recommend that you don't do it. I yeah, I would 10 out of 10 recommend that if you have a movie or a book or a TV show that is near and dear to your heart from when you were a child, just just let that be a memory that you keep in your heart just keep it there just keep it keep it there in a nice little drawer and never take it out all right guys so yeah the teapot is empty for today don't worry more is brewing and on the way we'll be back next week with love and monsters a movie on hulu all right if you enjoyed this podcast please leave a review and share with a friend we'll see you next week bye